Did you hear the one about the folding iPad? Or how about the one about the Periscope Zoom in the iPhone 15? Or how about the one about the Mac Pro and its built-in GPUs? The rumors about Apple products are running wild, and we'll talk about what to believe and what to ignore in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. So January ended with a flurry of rumors about Apple products. It wasn't just about Apple's reality headset, which we covered in episode 823. So if you want to hear that, you can check that out. The rumor mill is churning out speculation about every other Apple product in the lineup. So we thought we'd go over some of them on the show today. Should we start with the iPhone, since that's Apple's most popular product? Yeah, and, and the one we know is coming out. This year. <laughs> like, we, we know for certain we're getting an iPhone. <laughs> the other rumors are a little more long-term, I guess, or up in the air. Yeah, or, you know, unreliable, if you will. But yeah, we're t- t- definitely an iPhone this year. You can set your clock to that one. In September, I'm sure. In fall, just in time for the holiday shopping season. We're on the 15th iteration of the iPhone. Or actually, that's that's incorrect. There was no 2. Right. And then there was no 9. <laughs> and then there was a 3 and there was a no, there was just a 3GS, but there was a 4 right, two fours, two fives, two sixes, only yeah. right. one seven, one eight, no nine. No, not Two yet. tens. <laughs> well, I can't. It, yeah, it would take me five minutes to work out which actual yeah. number of <laughs> yeah. That's And that's if you just ignore the SEs, all the SEs. Right. right. Um, so it, it would be iPhone 15. Right. And also we don't the iPhone ex- C, let's not forget. We don't expect them to stop numbering them sequentially. We, don't, we think it'll be iPhone 15, yeah. right? We can say that much. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I, at some point, I assume they're going to have to not do a number. I mean, I yeah, iPhone twenty three like doesn't they make have, any sense. <laughs> yes, right. But, right? but like, at, the, at, at some point early on in the iPhone, iPhone fourteen and fifteen sounded bizarre too, and now they're just what we have. So by the time we get to the twenties, like Samsung is releasing its new phone tomorrow, and that's the Galaxy S twenty three. So. And they haven't had 23 phones. They just arbitrarily decided that this is number 20 a couple of years ago, and now everyone just accepts it. The, based on the nomenclature, we're getting iPhone 15. Yeah. Uh, and there's some uh, hot, juicy rumors about it, <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> way, to, way to sell it, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> iPhone uh, Wi-Fi 6E. That's hot and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's basically a slam dunk. It, it was it was surprising that they didn't have it on the fourteen, because they did bring it to the iPad Pro like a month later. Um, now it's on the Mac Mini, and it's also on the MacBook Pro. So it's you know, that's one of those things that you can be sure of. The, the question is whether it will be a Pro feature. Like, will it just be on the be on the fifteen Pro models, or will it be on all four? I mean, it's it's fairly academic because they all have Wi-Fi six, which is plenty fast for most people. You need a Wi-Fi six e router to get to take advantage of those speeds, so it's not certainly not going to influence anyone's buying decision. It does help if you have a router that you could connect on a less crowded frequency, but your your internet connection is not really fast enough to 
saturate the difference. But on a laptop or something, you'll be like transferring local files and things like that. And you you don't really do a lot of that on your phone. Your phones, your Wi-Fi and your phone's mostly for an internet connection. So if it's there, it's not a big deal. Maybe they'll skip to Wi-Fi 7. It's almost always mentioned hand in hand Bluetooth 5E, I, we're supposing as well. Or five, blu- Bluetooth 5.3. 5.3. I've got my three E's and threes. I'm getting them all mixed up. <laughs> yeah. I believe they use these Broadcom combo chips that do Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Speaking of the chip, the other chip, the main chip, the system on a chip, it's probably going to be A17 Bionic. Uh, for the Pro models, yeah. And then there's the scuttlebutt is that the non-Pro will get the... A16, which was in, which is in the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max now, just like they did last year. They kind of, they're kind of now moving that Pro chip down a notch, and then giving the Pro models a new, a new chip, and then we'll just continue like that for a while. Hey, I guess that makes sense, and uh, it should be a significantly better chip, just based on if they're finally moving to three nanometer. Uh, the main benefit there the really big benefit there is so much more logic density it basically in the same area they can get something like 40 percent more transistors so that's just going to mean more cores or more cash or more cores and more cash and there should be design improvements and so on and so forth so uh, my, my expectation is that a17 is going to be a more significant and interesting leap than a16 was which wasn't really much at all. No, it was kind of like, it felt like it, it, kind of an overclocked A15. You know, it was faster and that's fine, but it didn't do anything A15 didn't do. So for folks who hear us talk about five nanometer, three nanometer, the jump to three nanometers seems to lead to a bigger performance boost than what we've been seeing in the past. Yeah, or if not performance, maybe other capabilities, you know, just not necessarily go faster, but can do more new things. One thing I I would expect them to do is to continue to push into the neural engine, but they might add features to the GPU that aren't there now, like ray tracing, acceleration, and so on. Uh, The architecture is going to be interesting to look at because this is the architecture that will end up in a future M-series chip, just Mm -hmm. bigger and with more cores. But these... The main design of all the pieces that get put together show up first in the iPhone, it seems. I'd also expect them to get on board with AV1 video encoding. Kind of everyone else is doing it. Uh, Apple's on the group that came up with AV1. They're one of the member, prime members of this video group that came up with it, and they still don't have any hardware acceleration encode or decode for AV1. So I expect that to be coming. Uh, like what is the difference or, or, or what's the benefit there? Like, all right, where is where would I see AV1 used is a better question. It is currently used for some YouTube and Netflix videos. But the main thing is think of it like like remember when they went from JPEGs to HEVCs, I mean, uh, HEICs, it was like, it looks the same. It's just half the space. That's essentially what you're going to get out of AV1. It's It's... The next step after HEVC, so you've got your HEVC videos now, AB1 is just better coding efficiency. So you're going to get, I mean, it can, it can do things that you won't care about on your iPhone at all that are like for high-end production stuff, but it's uh, its main thing is 
better compression. So either equivalent quality in much less bandwidth space, et cetera, or better quality in the same. And that's on your iPhone. It means you don't need up as much storage, but uh, the advantage is once every, all your devices get acceleration for decoding AV1 and can do it therefore in a very battery efficient manner, you could decode AV1 now, but it would just use a lot of CPU time. Once they get the same decoding hardware they have for MP4s and HEVCs and stuff to, that today, it's good for streaming because to get the same video quality with like half as much cellular bandwidth, so you won't run into as many problems. It's good when you've got limited bandwidth, which you have on mobile devices all the time. Every time you're on cellular, you're like, maybe I don't have good bandwidth right now, but you can still get high quality video. Will the iPhone 15 be the first iPhone to ditch lightning for USB-C? The rumors are, yeah. And and that would be for all the models, not just for like the biggest Pro or Pro Max or Ultra or whatever they call it. Yeah, they're saying that the Pro will have um, Thunderbolt speeds like the iPad Pro, mm-hmm. which as Jason was just saying, it's not a huge deal on the iPhone. You're not really using it very often to do that type of stuff, but it'll be there if you want it. Otherwise, it's not going to matter. It's not going to change. I'm sure charging speeds will be the same as they were. It's just more convenient than Lightning because everything now will have USB-C except for you know some accessories and, and AirPods cases if they don't change those. I think USB-C allows them, will allow them to have higher charging speeds. I don't know if they'll do it. Yeah, it definitely opens up the possibility as we, we you can see on Android phones, like they go up to like 100 watts. I mean, it's it's crazy what some of those phones could do. I doubt Apple ever does that, but they could go to 25, 35, 50 if they wanted to, but I uh, rumors haven't said anything about that this year. So, Is there a reason why they wouldn't, Apple would not want to go that high? Just battery safety and longevity. You know, the you've got to cool that battery. Uh, a lot of it comes down to your power control circuitry. You can't keep that up that charge rate for long. But it they may very well do a thing where it it goes from zero to twenty five percent at some really high rate, like fifty watts, and then tapers off, like a different curve, a different power curve. Five minutes when you're almost dead will get you all the way back, get you several hours of use or something. You know. So those new features. Are based on, you know, past implementation and products, current implementation of products, like for instance, the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth is in the new M2 Pro Mac Pros, USB-C is on the is now in the iPad. Those are kind of the features that have a pretty good chance of happening because because of past history. Then we get to a little more speculative uh, rumors, like for instance, there's a rumor that Apple could be using titanium for the body of the iPhone? Uh, well, so this is the Ultra model, which is uh, – that's so now uh, – we, we got the Apple Watch Ultra in uh, September, and it was a completely different line, um, tons of features, bigger screen, higher price tag, that type of stuff. And the rumor is that Apple is going to do that same um, kind of differentiation with the iPhone, that the iPhone 14 Pro Max – will become the iPhone 15 Ultra. Same screen size, 6.7 inches, but a titanium body, as Roman was just saying, and a, and some other exclusive features that, that, that would strictly be for that model to 
to differentiate it even further than the iPhone 15 Pro, which would be 6.1 inches and kind of the same the same gap as it is now. With um, it would have the promotion display and OLED. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, promotion always on display, but uh, some of the higher camera features, some of the higher um, functionality would would be reserved for that Ultra, like we saw with the Apple Watch Ultra. Apple has been, you know, creating these product lines where there's the lower end, or I guess the regular model, and then the high end ultra model. Yeah, and you know, we we kind of see this year. There's a, most reports are that the Pro models are selling like crazy, and the Plus and the iPhone 15 are are really not. And you know, part of that is um, that the Pro models are are that much better. But but the other part is that Apple's kind of you know separating them way more with the chip, with the screens, with the features that really say, all right, so I can buy an iPhone Plus for nine hundred, but I can buy an iPhone Pro for a thousand, and okay, I'll just spend that extra money there. Uh, they're kind of pushing you towards that higher tier by, I mean, you can say adding value, but it's also limiting value on the on, on the lower end. If you look at the iPhone fourteen versus the iPhone thirteen, it's not much different. You know, there's a couple of things here and there, but it's very, very similar. Whereas the iPhone 14 Pro was a much bigger leap over the over the prior model. And so this Ultra might also get new buttons, new solid state buttons. Yeah, well, that, again, yeah, that that's a, that would be a Pro feature, maybe all of them, but um, the rumors are that it's Pro. So you can kind of get a, a feel for this with the if you look at the the MacBook um, trackpad, or if you remember the iPhone, I think it was the iPhone Seven. That introduced the solid state, uh, solid state little home button with the, the touch ID sensor. So when it's off, like you press it and nothing happens. Um, but when it's on, there's a little haptic sensor that's uh, delegated to the button, and you you know it feels like you're pressing a button. Like you can't tell when when, when I touch my MacBook trackpad, it feels like I'm touching it. I'm pressing it. When it's off, I'm I'm just you know there's just a piece of metal. Like nothing happens. So Apple's really good at like kind of mimicking the feel of a button. What 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 I don't really get, and maybe Jason has some insight into this. So when the phone is off, yeah, completely off, like what happens? Is there a little trickle of power going to that button so you can still turn it on? There would, I mean, I would think that there'd have to be. And what happens when that's if your phone ever got truly truly dead to where you couldn't turn it on that way, you'd have to plug it in. That would be the first thing. I mean, it would take. It's a dedicated microcontroller with the smallest amount of milliamps, like imaginable, just to detect uh, the press, uh, press over over a certain force or whatever. It could be in that state for like years on on an iPhone battery. It wouldn't take it would take so little power. So that would be my guess, and and just like if it ever got so dead you couldn't do that, just plug it in, and then in a few seconds, which you have to do now anyway. You know, you can't. You press the button and nothing happens. Like you have to, turn, or or it gives you that little that little reading that says plug it in. Well, if the battery's dead, but I'm just saying, like if it's off, off. Yeah, they would just leave the tiniest bit. They actually kind of do that in the NFC. They they for to read passive tags with the NFC, like to to or sorry to to do passive tag readers and stuff. Your phone can be off and still be used as like your transit tag and stuff with certain supporting tags and everything but it's like yeah if it doesn't have to if it just needs to read read it just like a passive card and that does apparently take a little tiny tiny bit of power and if your power is too low it will you'll 
it will not work. <laughs> That's the same thing with the Find My. Like the phone could be powered off and you can still locate it. Um, right. It still does its Bluetooth pulse every however many seconds. So, yeah. So, the rumors are that there would be uh, an extra couple of haptic engines dedicated to the volume buttons and the power button and they wouldn't be buttons anymore. They would just be like little pieces of metal that are software tuned to feel like buttons when you press them. If you're going to do that, why would you have a movable mute switch? Like they've had the mute switch forever. That's like a very iPhone feature to the degree where I think they've sued other Android phones for copying it. You know, if that's not going to be a switch, what is it? And if it is going to be a switch, why would you make, why would you make your buttons not move, but leave that as a movable thing? Like the whole point I would think to me would be to make it more durable, but. It'll be like a mini track pad where you just kind of swipe it like the AirPods. Oh God, no, please no. <laughs> That's the worst part of the AirPods. I can't see them taking it away because as you say, it's a very, it's a very iPhone feature and, you know, I use it daily. And I'm sure a lot of other people do. It would be it would be change the way I use my phone if they took it away. So yeah, that's that's an interesting point. If it's all about sort of you know water resistance and stuff like that, having having one is as good as having three. You're not getting anywhere by almost doing it. It's an odd thing to me, but whatever they do for it, I just hope they actually make it a little bit easier to use. Because like you said, I use it almost daily. And I, if you have a case on or something, you got to kind of get in there with yeah, your it's, nail. It's a pain. It's um, like a pain. Yeah. Or, or sometimes you d I do it accidentally when I put it in my pocket and my, the volume's on and it'll make a noise wherever I go. Uh, if they're going to redesign the buttons, they, they could tweak that a little bit, but just don't take it away. But I could see Apple taking it away because that's a very Apple I could see thing that to too. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I could that's see it becoming something where you do something like right. uh, double tap the down volume button. Right. Or, right. or, Press both volume buttons at once and to toggle yeah. between silent and not silent or something. Yeah. It has to be a gesture that's almost as easy as flipping the switch. And it has to be a gesture that you don't do on the screen. Or, or you wouldn't do accidentally. It has to be something you can do without even looking because that's, that's the thing about the switch. You can do it without even looking. I think toggling between them with the uh, pressing both volume buttons maybe press and hold for a second, both volume buttons, something like that would work. Uh, another long rumored feature is the periscope zoom that would also be on the ultra, not necessarily on the pro. Yeah. They're saying that's, that's the, oh, that's an ultra feature that, that one's been rumored for, I don't know how many <laughs> years, but it's been I know. a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. every year is the year for the periscope zoom lens for, and other other Android phones have it. Most notably, the Galaxy S twenty three Ultra has a like a two hundred X. I think the one that's coming out tomorrow is rumored to have. Um, I highly doubt Apple will go anywhere near that. But the uh, um, the latest rumors say ten X optical zoom, which is significantly higher, and that would enable much higher quality digital zoom, probably up to fifty or thirty. 30, probably 30 with, with like real good clarity, maybe 50 with like it starts breaking down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you can essentially double whatever your optical is. You can zoom in digitally another 2x and it's pretty good. Unless you, depending on the resolution of your sensor, like that their telephoto is not the 48 megapixel sensor. The more megapixels you have, the more digital zoom you can do and still mm -hmm. look good. Yeah, if it's the same 12 megapixel sensor, then or 
a 12 megapixel sensor, then you can reliably get about 2x digital zoom on top of whatever your thing is. So if it's 10x optical and you can zoom in pretty well to 20 with digital zoom, that's pretty good. So they'd have to do some advanced stabilization. They did a pretty good job with that, with the action mode and all that stuff. Has there been any rumors about the sensor getting upgraded? Yes. Uh, apparently some hot new Sony sensor that's brand new. And it that's a kind of exciting because none of the sensors in the last several iPhones have been particularly cutting edge new. The, the actual sensor hardware itself has been stuff that's a couple of years old some in some models way older than that <laughs> like your iphone se's and stuff this would be a cutting edge new sony sensor that effectively you know turns photons into electrical impulses at like twice the efficiency so basically your sensitivity to light being that much better which means better low light photography it means higher shutter speeds in any condition truer color information when you get from however long the shutter's open. That's all good stuff. I'm concerned with Apple's image processing, as always, you know. Apple's iPhones always make good photos, but the competition has caught up and gotten better in a lot of aspects. And in recent years, Apple's kind of started to over-sharpen in post, their post-productions kind of over-sharpened things a bit to the point where uh, some stuff doesn't quite look natural, depending on what you're taking a picture of and what the conditions are. Uh, the way they're segment, you can see some really good examples of this browsing the web of when they segment out the. Everybody does this stuff where they use AI to like segment out the photos and adjust the exposure of different parts differently, like the sky and the building and the person and all. And when Apple segments that stuff out and then adjusts it, sometimes the colors get off. Like you'll see the sky look unnaturally blue when it wasn't, mm -hmm. it was a gray day, weird stuff like that. So they, they've got some work to do on that. When it comes to video, they're unmatched. Like nobody's close to the iPhone at video. I just want them to clean up the image processing, which is not a hardware thing. We don't need to wait for the iPhone 15 to do that, but I bet it'll, if it is, it'll only be on the iPhone 15, whatever changes we see. They rarely, if ever, kind of tweak that stuff in an iOS update. And if right. they do, they don't say it. And if they if they do, it's also, it's, it's. I mean, I don't think I've ever remembered anyone saying, oh, this is noticeably different. It's may maybe tweaks here and there to the computational engine, but nothing that's going to, you know, categorically change the way. Yeah, we've phones. only ever seen it when there's been a weird bug, like something gets oddly blurry or something, and then they issue an iOS update and it fixes it. You know, there's there's no reason that some of the computational photography stuff, the photonic engine stuff, like that could have run on last year's iPhones and didn't, and you know. we Have we heard anything about the pricing for the iPhone 15? Uh, yeah, uh, dribs and drebs. So it seems like the, uh, the same four models, 15, 15 plus, 15 pro, and then that ultra. The rumor, so there's a couple of rumors. One is that the Ultra will get a price increase, which again, we've heard that for a couple of years, but this time it seems like, okay, maybe if they're putting all these new features in there that are specific to that model, maybe that'll start at uh, $1,199 rather than $1,099. The Galaxy S23 Ultra starts at $1,200, so it's, it wouldn't be unprecedented. 
There's also a rumor that they're going to cut the price of the iPhone 15 Plus because that hasn't been selling great. It's a little $900. It's a little high, particularly when the Pro starts at $999. Even though it's a half-inch smaller screen, it's still a better phone all around. So those are the two rumors. If they do cut the price of the Plus, they would have to cut the price of the 15 as well because they're $100 apart at the moment. If they keep this plan of they take the essentially the camera sensors and the chip and stuff that was in last year's Pro and they make that the new non-Pro, if they're going to be doing that, then I think it deserves to be at a lower price. <laughs> like if you're buying last year's, it used to be the latest tech and then there would just be like the Pro would also have the telephoto and a slightly better display or something like that. Like now it's... If it feels like you're, if it feels so much like you're getting last year's tech, then you need to give people more of a price break. And I think the market's shown that everybody's flocking to the pro and not the regular ones. So that's the iPhone that we are pretty sure we're going to get this fall. Maybe the most exciting rumor is in regards to the iPad. Ming Chi Kuo, who is a noted analyst. Uh, who has, I don't know if he's leaked or speculated, probably a combination of both of, on future Apple products. And he's been quite accurate over time. Uh, he has a lot of sources. He, he used to write work for a company where he writes reports on the supply chain for investors. So they know what companies to invest in. So he has a lot of sources within the supply chain about like the companies that Apple orders displays from and batteries and all these kinds of things. When he has information that comes from those sources, it's pretty good. Now he, now he's an analyst that writes other kind of reports and stuff. And there's more speculation, like you said, in his thing, more of his own sort of just opinion. I think this is going to happen. And when that happens, his, his predictions are kind of hit and miss. But oh. this one on the iPad allegedly <laughs> comes from some looking at some of the suppliers that for displays and stuff. He thinks that a folding iPad is basically near certainty and it will come out in 2024 it, it was a tweet which is how he usually sends his information but he says he's positive quote unquote positive which is i mean for one that's a that's a bold statement for any any kind of analyst to make like even german rarely does that mark german from bloomberg who you know he has really good sources inside apple very rarely does he say this is coming definitely he'll he'll couch it with you know apple's plans could change and you know uh, uh you know we, we this is what my insiders say but you know these things are aren't set in stone so german said that there's a folding ipad with a with a carbon fiber kickstand which is two things of like wait what like how did we get either of those uh, you mean mention quote said that oh what what i you said german oh sorry yeah um so ming chi quo uh, I think it was Sunday night or Monday morning, said he's positive that a folding iPad is coming in 2024 and it will have a carbon fiber kickstand presumably built into it. He didn't quite – that he didn't really say whether or not that's a, a case, but it does make it seem like it's part of the body of the iPad. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, okay. Like we reported on him saying that it's positive, but it it, it seems like there's no way. Especially to say you're positive about anything Apple coming next year. Anything. Yeah. Like it's early 2023. So if you're going to say you're positive, if you're going to say you're positive about something, like if it's August and you're positive about some uh, iPhone, 
rumor. Like, well, iPhones come out in September and we'll, we'll give you that. Like the suppliers, they've already been manufacturing them. The suppliers are, have already been dishing parts like for something for next year. Yeah, that could change. <laughs> and specifically something this new. Yeah. Apple Apple hasn't done folding anything with, unless you count the uh the iPhone 10 introduced that the, the display folds up inside. Yeah, that's to get nothing. the the bottom bezel uniform with the top bezel, but other than that, there's nothing even close to this type of technology. And no one's really, you know, there's occasionally vague rumors that Apple is working on folding this and folding that. Mm-hmm. But to say definitively this is coming next year is like, okay, well, now now it's on you. <laughs> okay, we're, we're all going to be looking at you next year. To me, the iPad is where it makes the most sense. It does, absolutely. More than a phone, more than a folding most, phone. Most certainly, most certainly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool, but let's, yeah, let's see what it is. It happens, sure. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if all of these rumors about like different bigger iPads were all the same iPad and it's just when it's folded or unfolded? Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) And German responded yesterday with his own tweet that said he's heard nothing about this. Um, He often does that when someone kind of gets all the attention for a few hours, he'll either agree or not agree. Uh, Kuo also said 2023 this year Mm -hmm. is going to be a very, very quiet year for the iPad. Yeah. Um, well, so last year we got the new iPad Air early in the year. We got the iPad Pro, the M2 iPad Pro late in the year, along with that 10th gen iPad. So all that's left is the mini, which was updated in September 21, 2021. And Apple does not have a set schedule for the mini. He often goes years without an update. Yeah. So um, all signs point to 2023, maybe with nothing. Uh, the only thing that maybe could happen is um, like a fall release for the mini, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, both German and Kuo say that's probably also 2024. So if you're looking for a new iPad, buy one because there's probably nothing in the next like nine to 12 months. What about the rumors of the iPad made for HomePod or some sort of usability of the Yeah, iPad? I mean, that, that makes sense. Like it would be some kind of a docking station, like a real nice looking docking station that you plug it in, you, you pop it on there and mm-hmm. it's, it's a HomePod speaker when it's not in and it's, an, it's a HomePod with the display when it is like, yeah, I'm, that's cool. Other companies have done that. Google, I mean, not Google, but Amazon definitely has something for its Kindles that you can pop it in and it, and it becomes like a, like an Alexa device. Uh, that's great. I don't know if Apple would ever do that, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah, the rumor is that it's something sort of based on the iPad, but it's not it's not an iPad, but it's based off the iPad that would have some magnets and stuff where you could like stick it up in certain places and everything. And I would think they would want to also have a home pod that you could dock it to, like a stand, and have some some sound and but the idea is to like control your smart home stuff with a screen and have Siri, you know voice stuff that that shows display and everything it's one of those things i'm waiting on because that's why i keep with my google stuff is i use that in my kitchen all the time Mm -hmm. and the fact that it has a display is significant i look over to see how much time is left on the timer i don't want to have to ask and wait for a voice reply and all that i just want to look or look at or look at the we call up a recipe and just want to look at it you don't want to just wait for a voice no, read that instruction again or whatever. Yeah, you, nobody wants to do that. 
our last set of rumors is about the product we've all been waiting for that we thought would have happened already, and that's the Mac Pro. These rumors actually kind of like pour water on the excitement. I don't. I'm, I'm using the wrong analogy, <laughs> but you know, we were all excited about the Mac Pro, and then we got disap- became disappointed when it didn't come out. And now these rumors are even making us a little more disappointed about the product we might see. Like, just get a Mac Studio. <laughs> So, one of the rumors coming out is that there are going to be no user-upgradable GPs for the Mac Pro. You're going to have to rely on the SoC's GPUs. I mean, when you say rely on, it's going to have like a – it's like a 100-core GPU. Right. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not a Mac Pro buyer. I'm not the target market. But it seems from where I'm sitting that if you're going to make a Mac Pro – Without upgradable memory and without upgradable without an upgradable GPU, it's not it's no longer a Mac Pro. It's, it, does, it doesn't have what it's supposed to have, which is in, in uh, uh, ultimate expandability and you know supreme power, which it will have. So you can make a chip. Apple can make a chip, the M2 Ultra Plus or whatever you what, whatever it's going to be. That's the fastest around. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. It will be the fastest Mac you can buy. But is it going to be that much faster than the Mac Studio where you can't just say like, well, why am I going to buy this thing? It, no matter what it costs. Assuming Apple will keep the same – maybe they cut the price to 5000 I don't know. But it just – I don't really understand what its place is if that's all it's going to be. Maybe you, maybe it has a couple PCI-X slots where you can, you can have like – I don't know, audio and cards, cards or, and stuff, or what, yeah. coder cards or whatever you need there. Or, yeah, and, and extra networking uh, cards. Certainly storage, something. internal storage, you'd, you'd be able to upgrade. Is internal storage inside your machine that important anymore? When you have everything's cloud and Thunderbolt this and you don't really need it, you're not losing much by plugging in a Thunderbolt port or 400 gigabytes a second, gig- gigabits a second. Like what's, the, like, what's the difference? And why wouldn't you just say, all right, I'm going to spend – 4,000 on a Mac Studio, get a really good processor, a ridiculous, ridiculously small Mac with tons of ports, and I'm done. I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know. If there's an M2 Ultra, if there's a Max and an Ultra Mac Studio, we're expecting an M2 upgrade. What are you going to do over that M2 Ultra that's going to make it something that somebody needs to buy? I mean, you put two of them in there. That's what the rumor was for the M1 Extreme that never happened. It would basically be two... M1 Ultras, which is basically four M1 Maxes, because the Ultras just kind of two Maxes stuck together on an interposer. That hey, that's going to be a wicked fast system. It's going to have eight video encoders, you know, like it, it'll chew through your ProRes stuff in no time at all. But is it, will it be that much faster than in a Max Studio with an M2 Ultra? That it's worth that price and everything, because without the expandability, what? Do you, who is this for? Like you said, who is this for? High end version of the Mac Studio with the full like M1 Ultra and with the full 64 core GPU, like that is five thousand dollars. So, what can they do for an extra couple grand that really separates that? That really makes it that much better. If not expandability, <laughs> so and, and or the upgradeability. Is that it's the same. It's the same case design. 
so you know it's going to be, be awkwardly empty tower compared to the max <laughs> I mean, studio i mean it's what i mean it's huge yeah and a, a lot of empty space inside there if you're not upgrading the gpu or the memory it's just you know you there's nothing there's just nothing to do with it it's gonna yeah a bunch of storage Maybe it needs all the room for the heat sinks if it's going to have two M2 Ultras. Well, yeah, sure. The, but the, so that that rumor has been shot down too by Mark Ermey. He says that the M2 Ultra, like it just it, or the M2 Extreme, whatever it was, just isn't isn't viable. So now he's saying right. that it's a slightly faster. Um, or you know, I think it has. I don't. I don't remember the the core count, but but it, it had a higher core count than the M1 Ultra. That's in the Mac um, Studio, right? So maybe Apple gets rid of the Mac Studio. Like, do you, do you need both? But the Mac Studio is a good machine for people. Well, for example, Jason has one. You right. wouldn't buy a Mac. You would never buy a Mac Pro. But the but no, the it starts because the studio, the, the the version that's the Pro, because the, the studio. I mean, the version with the Max, the entry level Max with the less GPU and stuff. I mean, it starts at two thousand. And that's yeah, and it, that's a that's a decent price for what yeah, you're getting. That's a great little workstation for people who have to do, you know, work but don't have to do. I need a ten thousand dollar computer to work. Right. I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see this thing. I assume maybe WWDC they'll they'll preview it. Mm-hmm. But like, what? Are, how are they going to sell this to people who are in that audience? It's 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 very it's very interesting to me. I, I bet it'll be cheaper, not necessarily the starting price, but because they're not throwing in third-party GPUs and like two Radeon GPUs that are workstation class GPUs, and then Apple adds on their extra money that they charge for it, and so you know, it, you can't get a configuration with ten grand worth of graphics cards in it, <laughs> nine nine thousand four hundred dollars worth of like GPU upgrades to get two dual GPU Radeon pros and stuff, you know, because you can't do any of that. I think it's going to top out at something. It'll, it'll like start at eight and or seven or 8,000 and go up to, you know, less than, less than 20. Yeah. Something under 20 uh, for, for if you get the version with a bunch of storage and Ram. That does it for this episode of the Macworld podcast, episode 826. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app, on Spotify, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com, or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.